Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hello. Hi. Great. We are scattered all across the country this week, but we've made the podcast happen. Dave, you're in Hollywood. Yes. I'm selling my soul to the devil out here trying to make a buck doing some music and um, in a studio right now in North Hollywood, and uh, it's been pretty fun out here. Kevin, where are, you, where are you coming from? I'm coming from a closet in Memphis, Tennessee right now. That sounds sketchy. Yeah, so I'll be, uh, I'll be coming to you guys from Memphis for uh, the next six months. Well, I'm in this, this complex of uh, rehearsal spaces where there was like incredibly loud trap music next door a little while ago and some metal and like all kinds of real loud things. So you might hear some things in the background, but everybody listening at home, that is the sound of... Los Angeles, the ambient beauty. Yeah, I'm coming from some some weird gated community uh, where they've crammed like thousands of us. I mean, I can't complain. I wish we had time. I'd give you guys a little FaceTime tour of my spot. But uh, so far, the only noise you might hear is the person in the apartment above me. I think it's Bigfoot. <laughs> They're so loud and they stomp around all fucking day and night. And I'm starting to think it's on purpose. I've only been here two days, but I'm starting to get paranoid and think it's on purpose. And I'm going to have to confront Memphis's Bigfoot at some time, like midnight tonight or something. It's like those people who walk like on the middle of their feet. Yeah. It, you know, it's they get so up for weird. like a glass of water. And it's like boom, boom, boom. But like 50 paces because the apartment's not that big. You can clear it in like 10 paces. How do they manage like 50? Are they just walking in circles? You haven't had to deal with apartment life for a while. No, no. <laughs> well, you, well, you guys are both in um, major entertainment hubs, and um, both of you, I know, are having meetings with various um, podcast executives and podcast labels and things like that, each of you hoping yes. to come back with the deal that uh, seals our success. So I'm pulling for both of you guys. Um, I'm back home just uh, hoping that things work out. You didn't want to bring me along to either place um, when you're dealing with the kind of High rollers that you guys are dealing with. Cat, what, what are you, you want to share some stuff, Cat? You want to do a little show and tell? What, what, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Um, I got my second vaccine yesterday. Um, woo! Woo! Nice. Fully vaxxed. Um, I feel like absolute shit. It's, I'm one of the bad ones that got a fever and like chills and all that shitty stuff. But I am feeling better. 
Um, but yeah, I've just been uh, drinking some Dayquil and uh, watching some X Files and nursing the uh, the wound uh, where they poked me. So sorry, stuck me. I can't say poked me. Pricked Stab you. Pricked me. <laughs> so you're. Got so in other it. words, you you feel kind of like shite. You could say that. Did you say you? Did you say you feel like <laughs> shitin? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, a shite do. <laughs> this week, satanic panic, not the real-life 1980s uh, child ritual abuse hysteria, but movies with Satan. I went a little bit off the beaten satanic path with my pick. I chose a movie called Shaitan from 2006. Shaitan, uh, well, I believe it's pronounced Shaitan, and that's how Shaitan. I say it. You say Shaitan, I say <laughs> Shaitan. Um, this is a 2006 French movie directed and co-written by Kim Capiron. Capiron? Chaperon? Kim Chaperon. Um, filmmaker Shapiro. has uh, a couple other pretty interesting-looking movies under his belt, but this is the only one I'm familiar with and the only horror in his catalog. This stars our friend Vincent Cassell, who we saw not long ago in Irreversible mm. and has been in all kinds of stuff, obviously. Big fan. Um, this is on Shutter right now. You can see it on Popcorn Flicks with ads, AMC Prime, uh, a couple other places not super widely available, though. This movie is about three bros out at the club looking for action, causing trouble. Um, they meet up with a couple of gals, one who invites all of them to her farmhouse to party, I guess. They don't really party that much. We can talk about that. Instead, they meet Joseph, who is the character played by Vincent Cassell, and a bunch of other local weirdos. This kind of reminded me of like a French deliverance, uh, reminded me of the French movie Frontiers also, and was kind of like part of that whole like early mid-aughts French horror boom um, that we talked a little bit about back on our French horror episode, but I hadn't seen this since then. Um, so it was kind of uh, nice for me to go back. Kevin, what did you think of this one? Uh, I honestly, I saw this probably <clears throat> whenever Dave told me about it, which was I'm sure in like late 2000s. I liked it a lot more the first time I saw it. I got to be honest. I think this movie is much better as a first watch because of all the unsettling things that I already knew were coming. So on on a first watch, I was a lot more off balance. You're completely unprepared for what Vincent Cassell looks like in this movie. And the first time you see it, you never really get over it. And for very especially obvious reasons at the end of this, uh, I thought some of like the erotic parts were actually like a lot more tense uh, some of them even frustrating upon first watch. And on on first watch, you're kind of like waiting to see which characters do what, which characters die, how things go. On second watch, I literally just hated everyone in this fucking movie. <laughs> there wasn't one likable character. Thank and you. I spent the whole movie knowing the order in which things happen and that I was going to be unsatisfied. All that being said, it's totally worth a watch if you're into the French horror scene. Vincent Cassell is so good in this. I actually think acting-wise, the two main female characters, Eve and Yasmin, were very good. And then I think it was like Joseph's niece or somebody, Jean or Jeannie. Um, All of those characters were very well acted. Um, And like you said, Trent, some of like the weirdos from town and everything, uh, that still sort of ends up being like a plus for this movie. Um, I just I think I was suffering from um, like second watch syndrome of trying to find things to enjoy and just being so like Ladge 
and Bart are mm. two of the worst characters in any movie mm-hmm. we have watched on the entire <laughs> show. Yes. But I did appreciate sort of the flip at the end where you know which one's the bigger dick. Mm-hmm. You didn't necessarily <laughs> see it coming. Um, so I appreciate some of it, but like all in all, um, I wish it was like 2006 or seven, and you know, it was Dave saying, hey, check out this movie. Yeah, I think we all know that the French um, episode was not my favorite episodes that we've ever done. So I was a little, um, <laughs> I was a little um, preemptively stressed going into this one. Um, the movie itself very stressful. Um, I was always wondering what weird thing <laughs> was going to happen next. It was always just so awkward, just weird. Uh, Vincent Cassell is so creepy in this with that huge smile, just so unnerving just constant like un like it made you feel very uneasy for sure which i'm sure is what he was going for in that uh, character choice uh the group of friends were definitely the worst people ever i don't think i liked any of them to be honest um i didn't so it didn't really like pull at my heartstrings when bad things started happening to them i was like well oh well um bart is top 10 worst character ever who's like i guess he was supposed to be a protagonist but i was not rooting for him at all the only good thing about him is his dog i liked his dog um the pet gets it (laughs) (laughs) also that part don't even get me started um the whole like background of the caretaker of of joseph's family was definitely gross and weird but it made for some nice, you know, Satan worshiping and baby and doll making content. Um, I wasn't really sure if everyone else was also a part of that family, if they were all like an incestual cesspool or if they were all just in the Satan cult thing. But um, I do know that the last few scenes were pretty gross for sure. That's where all the gore came in, especially like the baby, the baby coming out. That was fun for me to watch, but definitely a weird movie. So thank you. Yeah, Trent, you were saying you didn't know like what kind of like party this was. Were they having some kind of after party or what was going on? But you and I have been in this very same situation because (laughs) in order to route our tours, we end up going through these rural areas. And I always get us invited to parties like this that's just like some farmhouse with a few weird people there. Um. And, and the same conversation happened then where you're like, Dave, I don't know if this is a party. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's a party. Yeah, it's a party. Um, you know, so no, I, I've loved this movie forever. Uh, Vincent Cassell is maybe my number one favorite actor because uh, he always – his characters always have like a pretty extreme – like twist that he just nails the entire time and this one is the most extreme mm-hmm. it's a, a very very bold character <laughs> to have to like have your face in that contortion the whole time but <laughs> perma smile yeah i love shaitan the opening reminds me a lot of the opening of climax uh the dj and the turntables and all that stuff um it's like Super twisted. I love the girl in the hot springs, the redhead who's like super fucked up, and and she gives a dog a hand job. No, uh, there's a first doggy hand job. The pet gets it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's the go. pet gets you know, it in a whole on, different cat. way than we're used to. 
<laughs> you know, cat. I know. Like every week, it's like the pet's dying. A lot of the time, it's right off the bat the pet dies. In this one, the pet survives and gets a hand job from a human. That's like the what's that like uh, Droopy and he like fights the bull and then gets gets the real girl at the end. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Droopy, the like the dog. But the. Oh, the droopy the dog. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's like a uh, Looney Tunes oh, thing. Wee, 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 wee. That dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he hooks yeah. up with a real woman at the end. and I, I felt like this dog, that was um, kind of his journey. This dog died, though. Oh, right. So. Well, but um, but he, not I don't first. Think it, it did. It got did attacked it, by the other yeah. dog, and then Bart was, like, crying, and it was, like, the only time you're like, oh. And then. Yeah. yeah. But I thought they showed it later. I thought it survived, and it was it was licking up someone's... Um, Head wound later, I thought, or that, oh, that was, was Cerberus, Joseph's dog. I couldn't really tell the dogs apart; they looked kind of the same. Right, but this, this, uh, I love the farm setting, and uh, like it's hard to tell really what exactly year this is or why. I haven't been to the French countryside, but why is Vincent Cassell this way? <laughs> <laughs> why are these people this way? Why is the whole town? Oh, well, he tell he gives you the whole story at dinner. Yeah, I, I like it. It's very unsettling. I forgot this is a Christmas movie. We could have we could have yeah. watched this um, last December. It ta- it takes place mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve, so that's nice. And I loved the um, the the first thing, like the the title card, at the very beginning, says, "Lord, don't forgive them, for they know what they do." So you know right away, like this is a pigs to the slaughter mm-hmm. thing. You know you're going to hate everyone, and they're all going to have poor outcomes in this. Although I guess a couple of them. Um, conceivably get away. Um, I definitely liked this more the first time, too. I'd have to agree with Kevin. Um, I like it, but I don't think it holds up as well as some of the other French horror movies from that time. It takes a little longer than I would have liked to get things moving back at the farmhouse. Like, it's scary. Um, You have all the weird, scary locals. You could just give any one of them a banjo and, and you know what's going on. I think this must be like some sort of there's some sort of commentary going on here about French um, society and, and French social class and culture or something, I think, just because of how terribly everyone in the whole movie is depicted. I don't really know uh, what side this movie would be on. But, um, yeah, nobody comes off very well in this. I thought the townspeople were sort of hinting that they were like all family. That was the vibe I got. Yeah. They're inbred. It's a hillbilly horror. They weren't neighbors. They looked inbred. They weren't. They had a. They had a few too many chromosomes in common. Oh, yeah. Inbred like uh, yeast. I will say. I. I will say that. Uh, that the ending there is almost a a fake out ending, and I do appreciate how they sort of threw that in there, and that's one thing that I didn't remember for the first time I saw it, and I was like, oh shit, I don't remember this. And I 100% would be talking trash about this movie right now if they hadn't flipped it around and been like, just kidding, here's what happened. So I do like that. And I will say the dinner scene in this rivals the original TCM. The way that they are just ripping meat apart with their hands Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden Joseph goes off on every racial slur that you could possibly have. And like none of these people at the table are like saying anything. 
He's just like slamming the table and laughing. And I mean, <laughs> the only thing better than Vincent Cassell's, you know, permagrin in this is his laugh, which he does like at very unsettling times, but also at times when he's provoking you, almost like I dare you to call me out on this. And nobody ever does because, you know, Vincent Cassell in most of his movies, like look at Irreversible, like he's slim, he's fit. He's not a super tall guy from what I perceive in this whether it's camera tricks and some bodysuits or whatever, he's a hulk of a motherfucker. But uh, that dinner scene, uh, that one I would say would work 10 out of 10 times. I mean, you could put Vincent Cassell's character from this movie in like an episode of 90210 and I would like it still. Like I don't even care what's going on with the rest <laughs> yeah. of the movie. I don't care about the story. I don't care about Bart, blah, 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 blah. Just watching Vincent Cassell the entire time is very amazing. And I, this set me off on a Vincent Cassell uh, movie marathon on my plane ride to Los Angeles. Mm. I watched this and I watched Mayrine. If, if, if you guys have ever seen Mayrine, it's very, very good. It's a French miniseries. No. It's like a gangster thing, real violent. But he's in that. Um, he slayed this, though. I, I could watch him all day long as this character. It's it's very macabre and like maniacal. It, it also reminds me of a French movie that is also set on Christmas Eve, Yes. called Calvaire, which has that same sort mm. of like very macabre, uh, like he's overacting to make it feel funny. You know what I mean? Like on, on, on purpose. Well, it's listed as an erotic comedy horror. I saw and, that. And Dave, did you erotic catch? Did, speaking of your obsession with I had with an erection, Cassell, but I didn't think that. <laughs> Dave, did you catch your, your typical mommy of the week if she shows up in anything in a quick cameo spot? Mm. No, I missed it. So when when um, there's like a pump man that's watching a movie on TV and you see like Santa Claus, a bad Santa trying to seduce a woman and she ends up being a vampire or trying to sexually assault oh, a woman. that's her. That's Monica Bellucci. Oh, her and Cassell were still okay. married at the time. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the whole show is Cassell. Um, that's, you know, that that's why you're there, and that's that's what makes it good. I, I did think it built up, like, the, the ominous foreboding pretty well when they're, like, when they're in the hot springs and the local boys show up and they just go, like, full nude right away. And you just you kind of have this building feeling that, things are going to go sideways. So I thought it did that pretty effectively. Um, the dinner scene reminded me of Ravenous, the movie we watched mm-hmm. not that long ago okay. with Guy Pierce and Robert Carlyle. I don't know if I would say it rivals uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh. but pretty great scene for sure. Dave just brought up Calvair, which we were going to watch for our one of our Christmas episodes, but you know, due to COVID and having a hard time getting together, uh, I just looked it up on Just Watch. You still can't find Calvair anywhere. But if you guys want to watch it, I did buy a copy of it on DVD. Um, I should probably see if it works because it was from the UK. But uh, Dave is right. This movie is very similar to Calvair. Or if you look it up, it's also called The Ordeal. Yeah, he made that. Uh, his name's like Fabrique Duels or something. Um, he just released a movie this week called Adoration that I look forward to. Uh, it's also a horror movie. There's kind of a black Philip in this. I liked that. Scary, big, scary, long-horned black goat. Um, there's, uh, well, what the French call, I believe, uh, menage a trois in this movie. <laughs> and, and appropriately enough for, for this week, uh, for Satanic Panic, it happens to be the devil's three-way variety. Uh, <laughs> it sure of, does. Woo! 
menage a trois, I think is what they call it. Six, but six, I guess six. that would be the erotic. <laughs> sixty nine, sixty nine, sixty nine. Is that a thing that happens with dudes? Like all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Let's bang this chick together as friends. Is that a, r- a random occurrence or is it frequent? <laughs> I, I don't invite my friends. I mean, I invite Dave and Trent all the time. They just never take me up on it. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Different podcast. Cat just hung up. Different podcast. She has the Cat is tendering her resignation. All right. So, um, right at the top of the hour, um, rappers who we rented the studio from are going to roll in here. Mm, turn you out. I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. it. I want you to stay right on the FaceTime when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, should we should we uh, move? Well, I guess we got to wait for see what happens with Cat here. Cat's coming back. Uh, a couple interesting oh, things. I on. like I like this uh, Kim Shapiron director. This was his debut. He was only twenty five when he did this movie. I think that's impressive. And he, he, when you look at his movies, they're all like co written with a Christian Shapiron. So I was like, oh, you must have a wife or a brother or something. It's actually his dad that he was co writing with. So I thought that was pretty cool. Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil sends the beast with wrath, because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. This week, The Omen, which I think is a fun film for everyone to watch. An American diplomat, Robert, secretly adopts Damien while his wife unknowingly delivers a stillborn child. After Damien's first nanny takes her own life, a priest warns Robert of the dangers of the child. As more and more people around Damien perish, Robert investigates his adopted son's background and realizes that this child might just be the Antichrist. This is such a classic horror movie that I think sometimes people forget how pretty frightening it is. Uh, It definitely holds up, uh, not only as an interesting film, but a scary one, even without much gore, except for a few uh, impalement moments and some decapitation. Uh, The whole time, I felt like I was on the edge of my seat, just waiting for something terrible to happen. Everyone seemed to be fair game for this, uh, for the rise of this little dude. I loved the whole story of how the devil worshippers got the boy into the correct hands, and it was all just so well done. Very Rosemary's Baby, for sure. Uh, Mrs. Baylock was low-key my favorite, uh, just releasing dogs and taking names. Also, probably murdering people, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but... Uh, the whole time it seems that Damien doesn't really know his position so you kind of feel sorry for him you're like oh poor little dude but then the last scene kind of uh, maybe changes your views on that one Uh, but yeah I love this movie it's definitely one of my favorites Uh, for sure classic it scares me just as much as it did uh, when I first watched it like on cable when I was a tiny little beeb just uh, not being supervised and watching whatever I wanted on TV (laughs) 
I watched this movie with my Rottweiler, Queen Elizabeth, and she loved it, um, which is also interesting because I did the thing from The Omen with Liz when I first got – it was a Christmas present. Someone was about to give us a Rottweiler puppy, and it died. And I had to go replace it with a different one. So it was kind of like this vibe. And there's many Rottweilers in this movie, uh, maybe the most. I'm always, I've had like six Rottweilers in my life. So I'm a big fan, and they're all through this movie. Um, I love this. I think it's super classic. Um, I, this story is laid out very clean and very good. It's like ambiguous, doesn't get into too much, leaves a lot to the imagination. And, um, you know, great cinematography. I think, you know, the 70s, you know, film stuff always looks great. I just, it, it's, it's scarier to me. And um, the only thing I didn't love about this movie was I didn't love the kids acting or like I felt, I don't know. I felt like it was a lot of like camera tricks and he wasn't really doing anything. So sometimes like that stuff wasn't scary. It's like, okay, he just looks like he pooped his pants. <laughs> but I, I would, have, I would love to see. I, I know there was a remake of this that was pretty good. But I think there could be like a version of this with a very, very uh, scary kid could be very effective because it, it is a great story. And I saw this when I was super little. It's one of the ones that was at my babysitter's, uh, the, the stack of VHS and I love this. Yeah, I love this movie. I hadn't seen this since I was a kid either. 70s Satan is a mood, and I love yeah. it. This is like, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of like the trashier Rosemary's Baby bargain bin meets the sleazier Nice Price Exorcist, but it's still awesome. Like, it's not as good as either of those movies, but... I just I love I love that it's like not as high minded as those and it's it's goofier than those and um, it's dirtier than those. You know, I, I'm a big, big fan of this movie. I was really glad uh, that I got to see this now after, you know, not having seen it in so long. So much of this movie is like canon now in in horror. They're just like in not even in horror, but just like in popular culture. This movie really, I didn't realize what a huge success this movie was. This was like a $2 million movie, I think, or $2.5 million, and made like 60 or $70 million or something like that. It was a big hit. It really brought the whole 666 thing to the forefront of pop culture. That wasn't that much of a thing. It confused everyone about the Antichrist, which I always, I don't know, I guess I kind of thought the Antichrist was Satan's son, like in this, but... The Bible doesn't say anything about that. This this movie, like, made up its whole—everything is made up in this. Like, even the theology is not—it's like its own world. And uh, I love the style. I love the look. Um, big big fan of this one. I really enjoyed it. Trent, before I give my take and drop a bunch of knowledge on you, I, ask, I have to go back to episode two where I selected Rosemary's Baby. And maybe, you know, you just haven't listened to that episode in a while. Or you don't forget it. No, you, I haven't. Thank you, Kevin. You, Thank you trashed Rosemary's Baby. You spent your mm -hmm. entire take and then any subsequent rebuttal that we tried to have, you absolutely dragged Rosemary's Baby into a grave 
buried it, dug up the body, buried it again, and then fed it to a bunch of Rottweilers. Mm. And then said he liked this, although it wasn't as good as Rosemary's Baby. Interesting, Kevin. Thank mm. you for fact checking. I was okay. I wasn't that hard. I wasn't that hard on it. We can I listen. We have it. I didn't think it was all that great, but it's a, it's a higher quality. It, it's a much better made movie, and it's a higher quality movie for sure. I just didn't think it was that great, and so I appreciated this bargain bin version of that maybe more than I appreciated that. Sure. Yeah. Guilty. It's a great one. It's a great one. 1976, Richard Donner. I never knew that he directed this because, you know, I know him mm. for Superman, the Goonies, Scrooged. So super random. He's still yes. kicking around, 91 years old. Uh, you're right, huge box office success, Trent, under 3 mil, over 60 mil. Uh, Gregory Peck was going to give up acting, so he plays Robert, the, uh, the diplomat and the dad. He was going to give up acting, read the script, and was like, yeah. He had actually had a son that killed himself in 1975 and felt bad about not being there. So something about the nanny oh. scene and the little boy in this kind of tugged at his heartstrings. So he was paid only $250,000 to do this movie, but he did an early version, what we've talked about before. He said, I'll take that small of a fee, but give me 10% of the gross. The Omen ended up being Gregory Peck's biggest payday of any movie he ever made. Hmm. So just some hmm. cool Hollywood stuff here, but you're right. Hollywood. The, ca- the, canon, the canon comment is great, Trent, because so many of the death scenes in this reminded me of like Final Destination. I was like, oh, they really like The Omen. So they have these big, elaborate, foreshadowing death scenes. And I'm sure that a million other movies ha- have done that. Um, I like the kid's acting, Dave. I like the fact that he was legitimately only six years old. And he was like some blonde kid that Donner made him dye his hair black and put like contacts in so he looked creepier. I love the uh, the three the, the, the little three-wheeler scene where... You know, he tries to friggin' kill his mom off the balcony and stuff. Um, I thought those were good. The theology stuff is great because Seltzer, David Seltzer wrote this. He'd never read the Bible. He was broke, and he decided to make up all of the theological stuff. So, like, the son of a jackal, like, all these things. And it's literally just somehow stuck. Like, there's nothing in the Bible about 666 being the mark of the beast. There's literally nothing. Trent's right. There's not a whole lot about the Antichrist. And it, it's it's literally, I think that's why it's so, so fun to go back and watch. It must have infuriated religious people at the time. But somehow all of this stuff has made its way into popular culture. And now I'm sure if you sit down with someone, they'll give you one of a thousand versions of the, how the theology is correct. Because if you read the Bible, you can interpret anything any fucking way you want. Um, I love the like the buddy scene in the middle of the movie where suddenly you kind of think it's going to take place in the house the whole time. And then all of a sudden, Robert and Jennings, the photographer, take off on their little like mission. So you have like your little like almost like a buddy cop scene. And David Warner plays Keith Jennings. I mean, he's been in a million things, but I always yell waxwork when I see him. I also like that David Warner's haircut is the worst of all time. He looks like Lloyd Christmas or fucking Snape from Harry Potter in this. Um, it's, it's, it has so many good actors and actresses. It's, it is super fun. Uh, Trent's right to compare it to the movies he compared it to. Uh, and I was super psyched you guys picked this because I also hadn't seen this probably since the 80s. I loved the um, zoo scene. I thought the kid, I thought Damien was pretty scary mm. in the zoo scene or like when he walks up to the the giraffes all run away from him and then the baboons all try to kill him. I mean, it's just such great, like creepy 70s stuff there. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I appreciate, Kevin, when you say that uh, he was 
played by an actual six-year-old because it was the 70s. We're lucky it wasn't Travolta. <laughs> right. Right. It's like a 22, a short 22-year-old. John Travolta playing a six-year-old. Donner also said that a lot of the looks he got from the kid was he would yell something shitty to the kid off camera with a camera like pointed at the kid and just get like his candid response. Yeah, call him like a little shit or something and the kid would look over. Um, that kid never really acted again. But in the 2006 yeah, remake, uh, <laughs> no. in the 2006 remake, he shows up as a cameo, as like a reporter or something. Um, and fun fact about the remake: speaking of Rosemary's Baby, Mia Farrow plays Mrs. Baylock. Oh yeah, right. right. You know, like the kid uh, that like stares at you from behind his mother's legs like a little coward. <laughs> That's the look he had on his face every time he was supposed to be scary. It was the like. Like kids staring at you. I don't know. I thought I thought the end I thought the end stare was was worthy. Mm. Mm. I feel like there's a so much subtext going on in this movie. Different like social subtexts, like the whole thing about like he's not really Robert Thorne's kid. And Thorne Thorne is a great last name for a rich person, by the way. I love the name Robert Thorne. Should have been Robert Thorne the Third, the rich mm. diplomat. Uh, like it's not really his kid, and it's an adopted child. I'm sure that um, some people must not have liked that aspect of it. And then there's the whole thing where. Uh, his wife does become pregnant and she wants an abortion and he doesn't want to hear about that and he thinks that it's Damien making her think this like there, there's all this kind of like post um, flower child post like peace and love 60s revolution and all that like flower power stuff is kind of like you know um, wilting into the 70s malaise of like this sort of like lost innocence and older boomers or I guess like she, the wife is kind of a boomer in this, I feel like, and she's kind of lost her innocence. Gregory Peck seems way older than her, which seemed a little weird to me anyway. But I've, 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 a lot of that stuff going on, um, guys, like, basically cucked by Satan is how really what, what it comes down to in this. And I think there are a lot of those things at, at play in this movie that are a little bit deeper than, you know, first glance. Well, there's one that's unbelievably applicable to today at some point. Someone's taught one. Of, I think it's one of the fathers in the movie, as in um, one of the religious people, not not uh, Robert Thorne the uh, Third. He says the devil's child will rise from the world of politics, and I just paused the movie and I was like, Trump, Tucker Carlson, like mm-hmm. which one is it now? I I didn't love Gregory Peck just because he's so old school. He has that old school phrasing like, oh, perhaps. It is not my baby after all, and I shouldn't have, you know, he's like this real, like, I don't know, it's something about the rhythm of his speaking uh, was so old-timey for me that it made it almost seem older than the 70s in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think he was bad at acting, but it was just he had that, like, kind of, like, old-timey, gone-with-the-wind drama. Yeah, and he was, like, 30 years older than his wife, it seemed like. What, what's he doing having a kid anyway? This guy has this guy ever heard of uh, contraception or what? <laughs> well, he has because he's gone this long without having a kid. He's never heard of plucking his eyebrows. That's for damn sure. <laughs> he's got a strong brow. <laughs> he must die, Mister Thorn. 
<laughs> You'll see me in hell, Mr. Thorne. I really liked how he, he really entertained the priest a lot. Like, I was surprised at how long he was willing to listen to the priest tell him that he has to kill his son, and then he's the spawn of Satan. And then finally, after a while, he's like, now listen to you, I'm not going to hear another word of this. I know you like, I think you'd be a little more offended than that. Is that the priest that like looks like looks like in in like 2040 Joaquin Phoenix time traveled back and made the omen in 1976? <laughs> oh, did you man. guys see the remake? Did you like it? Was it good? I haven't seen the remake. I saw it a long time ago and I liked it. Yeah, I, I it wasn't bad. Yeah, I think I think I hadn't seen the original in so long, so I wasn't really comparing it to this one. But Dave, I think what at the space we had the whole box set. We got the whole Omen box set. You can watch that shit one after another. They they changed the dog from a Rottweiler to a all black German Shepherd in huh. the remake, and I you know it's not that scary, dude. I would have gone uh, Doberman for the Hellhound. Mm, I feel like interesting. Dobermans are the most satanic looking. I feel like of all of them. Did you guys notice the um, the the sound in this is like the the dialogue is all really quiet and in a lot of the movie is really quiet but then anytime there's like music or a sound effect it's so loud you're like watching you're like then all of a sudden you're just like blown back and like your whole block now is watching the omen hearing the strings and the (laughs) satanic chants oh my god you're like she's got to turn it down for a minute that's jerry goldsmith we've talked about him a ton yes uh gremlins poltergeist alien leviathan uh, this it's is a great only, soundtrack. It's yeah. the only Academy Award he ever, ever won. And I, I can't figure out. It says he didn't want to go to the Academy Awards because he was so mad about how many times he'd lost already. Um, so he might not have even attended this one. It's the only time he actually won for best score. It is a, it is a great score. I, I love the mm. whole soundtrack. Really good. Really scary. Really creepy. Um, tons of great deaths in this. There's... A scene where someone plunges through the window on the upper floor of a hospital and they fall right down through the mm. roof of an ambulance and then the ambulance door pops open and they're just like on the stretcher like their neck hanging over. It's very, very good. Well, the the sheet of glass was, mm. I think, oh, the final yeah. destination that reference favorite that you were yep. making. That's yeah. very good. The head goes flying. It, oh. it does a, like a whole triple axle in the air. Uh, very good. <laughs> it's a work of art. I actually I liked this so much. I watched the sequel, Damien Omen Two. Ooh, how is it? Um, it's not bad. Um, Dam- Damien's like in high school, but he's he's going to like some sort of West Point like military thing, so he's much older, and he's which kind of works, but also kind of takes away from it because he's more convincing uh, in his like evilness, but at the same time he's a high school boy at a, a military academy. It's like not that much of a stretch that he would be mean. You know, so I don't know. It, it was fine. I, I I would see it if you like this one, uh, Kevin. You must have uh, taken a dive into the theology of this, uh, both real and imagined. Uh, did you come up with anything? No, there's really nothing because you know Seltzer's script. He made up all the theological stuff. So you know every path I went down, it, you know, it was just all fake. I'm just kidding. I dove deep. Of course I did. <laughs> it is. There is a lot of fakery, though. But I thought it was a good mix of. I, I didn't. It, it makes you like not really know what is real and what is fake. Well, the movie ends with the Book of Revelations, chapter thirteen, verse eighteen, and it's just this quote on the screen that says, "This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six six six. 
I don't have the Bible, so I don't have, you know, Book of Revelations or whatever. I can't confirm that that's in there. But if you look it up online and you try to find, like, where 666 came from, there's so much, you know, arguing about whether that's legit and this is where it came from. So I was trying to dive into it. And some of the closer things that I could find are a lot of people say that seven is the holy number and six is the number of man. So 666 is the number of Adonicum's descendants who returned to Jerusalem and Judah from the Babylonian exile. That's from Ezra 2.13. And it says, the Lord who rises up or Lord of the enemy, I believe that's Adonicum, speaks of two evil men or beasts who serve the devil. One rises from the sea, believed to be the Mediterranean, and one from the land in Israel. Adonicum is thought to be the land guy, setting up as a false, evil prophet or the Antichrist. All this is very loose, so you can find interpretations of it. But I don't know. I think we talked about how this sort of thrust 666 into pop culture. So, um, you know, dig around. See if you can find something to beat me. Yeah, and I feel like that lasted into, this is um, 76, and I feel like that whole thing not only just the omen but rosemary's baby and the exorcist and even amityville horror and all, all of those like 70s satan movies i feel like the impact of that lasted in the popular culture of the 80s i know when i was a kid people talked about the antichrist way more than they do now there were there were always conversations about like every time something happened or whatever or some sort of international incident or some sort of war or military action or a new dictator uh, on the block. It was always like, who is the Antichrist? Maybe it's Ronald Reagan. Maybe he's the Antichrist. You know, like, I feel like the whole the whole Damien thing held over in, in like, pop culture zeitgeist. Did you just say the new dictator on the block? Because, like, that would be the yeah. new dictators on the block. Is, that's going to be our boy band name. <laughs> the new dictators on you know the block. <laughs> you know what I mean? And also, I I thought that I guess I kind of thought that the Antichrist was the son of Satan, like in the Omen. But it's not. It, it, the Bible doesn't say that Antichrist is the son of Satan, right? Antichrist is just the Antichrist, right? Yeah, if you want to go by the if you want to go by like the Adonicum thing, it's like thought to be a false prophet. So Jesus was sort of like the original prophet, you know back you know leading people and then you know they crucify him because they're like this guy's out of his mind then he's reborn so i think they're just talking about the antichrist can literally just be like a false prophet who is leading people like jesus was but for evil purposes rather than the good that jesus was purported to have been doing if you believe in that shit um i myself i think through the course of this show i've shown you know we've talked about we've argued with with cat not believing in ghosts and you know, sort of like bounced off of our thoughts of theology. However, somehow I am strangely um, superstitious when it comes to like certain things. And 666 is one of them. So I took, I've taken one Disney vacation with my family and it's when our daughter was four. And so we get to this big grandiose Disney hotel. We get our key card. And of course the person at the desk writes your room number on the little folder for your key card. And I shit you not, we were staying in room 666. Wow, I'm surprised they even had that room. I would think that would, like, uh, the 13th floor. I would think you would just skip having room 666. I mean, you know, then if you're staying in 667, you know what fucking room you're staying in. Or if you're staying on the 14th floor, you know exactly where you are. I one time saw a thing about, like, uh, 80s metal and the satanic, quote-unquote. Everything was satanic in the 80s. Again, there's the holdover, like, satanic panic, 
it was the 80s, um, you know, hysteria, abuse hysteria. And then, like, there was all the stuff with, like, the PMRC and, like, heavy metal music being satanic and uh, even, the like, the band Kiss was Knights in Satan's Service. Do you remember all oh, Are you too God. young to remember all that stuff? Uh, I mean, enough. I do remember, like, when I was, I, I think, you know, I'm a little younger, so I do remember being, like, scared of Slayer and not really listening to Slayer because they were being it sure. was they were the media was like the media was going after them like Republicans going after vaccines i mean you couldn't turn on the news without like don't let your children listen yeah. to Slayer which of course yeah, by the time i'm a teenager all i want to do is listen to Slayer now motherfucker well i i remember vividly seeing a thing uh in the 80s like some sort of like news um, report or something about the the Satan and metal music and stuff, and uh, it was concerning the the Devil's Horn um, hand sign, the rock sure. like hand sign with the two fingers up and the Devil's Horn. Uh, and this woman showed she did the sign, the the rock Devil sign, where the one where you like fold your thumb in though, not with the thumb out like the I love you, but the real Devil rock where you fold the thumb in. And she showed how it's actually um, it's three sixes. You have the pinky six, you have the index finger six, and the thumb is another six. Six, six, six. You can do this at home, folks, if you want. You make that <laughs> It's a really fun game. And you pull the thumb over. There's your three sixes right there. Uh, case closed. Satanic music. And this was the time that, like, Ozzy Osbourne was sued and Judas Priest was sued. And, like, you know, th this was really, like, a lasting thing after the 70s. The whole Antichrist, everything is Satan went on through the 80s. If you're a listener and you're honest and you just weren't doing exactly what Trent was describing, please write to us because I want to send you, like, a free piece of everything Speak All Evil merch. But you have to be honest because I feel like every single listener, even if they were driving, was just doing the horns and being like, what the fuck, three sixes? Uh, so there's there's uh, plenty more. Yeah. There's plenty more um, with this. There's some there is some cool stuff that they talk about in the movie. They talk about the town of Megiddo, which I believe is the town that we talked about where all of the dogs show up. And in the film, this is a town whose yes. name is derived from Armageddon, and it exists about sixty miles south of Jerusalem, where some excavating was happening, just like The Exorcist, also called the city of Jezreel, the town where Christianity began. It's there. It really exists. Uh, has a crazy history. A very long, settled um, piece of land. Lots of monuments that they're digging up, etc. So that was pretty cool to see. And then at one point, they talk about Bugenhagen. So I was like, "Who is this guy?" So Bugenhagen is actually a 16th-century apostle. Interestingly enough, linked to uh, Martin Luther, who was a German professor of theology, a priest, an author, a composer, and an Augustinian monk. And Luther rejected several teachings and practices of Roman Catholic Church. So ha this happening way back in the 16th century meant that he was immediately excommunicated by the Pope and condemned as an outlaw by the Holy Roman Emperor. So not sure how this ties into the movie, but again, it's just an interesting look into <laughs> theology's past. And before you get too excited about uh, a Luther and oh, people raging against worry. the church, the, yeah, this guy was a complete <laughs> asshole to Jews, so, you know. Don't don't go uh, giving him any holidays anytime soon. <laughs> I think 
I think we've lost both Kat and Dave now, and I'm not sure if Dave just got kicked out of the studio uh, or what. Uh, we'll continue this conversation on uh, the patreon.com forward slash speak all evil. You can see The Omen on any rental platform, but it's on and off the subscription services. It was just on Hulu. And uh, just keep your eyes peeled. I'm sure The Omen will be back on uh, Prime or Netflix or wherever. Um, but it's a great one. And if you like The Omen, I would also recommend uh, the sequel, Damien Omen 2. 666. Six, six.